Welcome to Blade TV, the podcast for the best shows on TV, and I'm Jake. And I'm Cash. And tonight we're covering Vikings, episode 403, entitled Mercy. And I, they've done a great job in naming the titles. They work it into every episode, and very predominantly. Yeah, I think this one was really kind of in your face, obviously, being it was Ethelstan's yeah. almost our, lone word. Our favorite character, so yeah, that always helps. Um, but what do you think about the episode overall? I thought they hit it out of the park again, really. I mean, it was kind of, it felt a little slow, but the storytelling was great and they hit very high notes for me. I don't know. How'd you, were you I feeling mean, the same way? It's weird when it comes to this show. It took a lot of talking into by some friends to get me to watch the show. Mm-hmm. But like I said, last week I felt like I was in danger of getting an episode I didn't like and it completely redeemed itself. This is another one where it's just like, they just hit a a bar Every they week. never really go below it Mm-mm. you know what i mean i'm always entertained and i'm always looking forward to thursdays yeah i mean i really i really have nothing to complain about almost on these shows it's like watching a it's like watching steph curry on an average night it's like we know we're watching something great but sometimes it's just like mm, that the greatness is kind of leveled but i mean i'm not saying that as a complainer or anything it's I know this is one of the best things I'm going to watch all year. Well, that's the thing. I don't feel like the show is plateauing. Like it can't get any better and it's not really getting any worse. Because uh, it always surprises me yeah. with stuff it's capable of doing. But it definitely never goes below that bar. I'm always intrigued, always excited for Thursday to come around. And oh, many times blown away by what they you know, show us on the screen. I mean, there's always two or three moments where it just completely catches me off guard. Oh, Whether it's a moment in the show or just the weaving that has been done, combining all of the characters into one set family. Yeah, it's pretty wild. So, anyway, like you said, another strong episode. I mean, like, it's odd because there's not just necessarily a ton going on right now. It's almost kind of a standstill kind of a a bottle episode in a way it was kind of like a filler episode but it felt like it did a lot more but i mean like you're saying no one's really making moves to go take over paris or come invade Kattegat or anything i mean the biggest move we saw was someone or kalf trying to go after bjorn and it wasn't even really kalf trying to go after him yeah so we we find out the show basically when it's not raid season Mm -hmm. it's Make your moves, maneuvers season. Yeah, you start know? moving a couple pawns up and see where right. pe- the other people's defenses are. Right. So this is where all the backstabbing takes place and everything like that before we get to raid season, mm-hmm. which is what seems to bring everyone together because everyone loves raiding. Everyone wants the gold. Right. All right. Like we did last week, we'll start with some characters. I mean, Ragnar didn't have a massive part in this episode, but he had a few little moments. And I'm not going to say he... Someone stole the scene from him in every Ragnar scene, but I feel like he shined the brightest in the episode for me was Ragnar. This dude, and it's weird because this guy came out of nowhere to me, Mm -hmm. but what he can do with his eyes and his facial expressions and just the way he uses silence and everything. Yeah. I mean, it's, I give it to the writers and the direction, obviously, but this dude crushes it weekly. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so we get him. He's basically just telling a story of Harbert 
yeah uh, to his kids with Auslog right there next to him and I mean that was another surprising thing because I had no idea that it was going to end up being about Hogbard and boy when he delivered that line did Aslog pull back a little bit oh yeah but in a way I feel like Ragnar might be creating one of his worst enemies in her yeah be- Somehow, I feel like she's going to undercut him in a really bad way. I don't know. I don't. I still don't see her being around long enough, especially with the way he was looking at that little Asian girl whenever she came for the shield, or I forget what she came for the by fish. for the fish. Yeah, he was gutting fish the whole time mm-hmm. he's telling the story. But all right, so in your opinion, though, do they kill? As- they just show I'm talking about. Yeah. Would she be killed? Because she's not leaving her kids. No way. No. She's a definitely chance. a mother above anything. She's so, a mother bear. So who would kill her? I mean, I think it'll end up being Ragnar. You think just like choke her to death like he did that one messenger? I mean, either that or maybe just even sword or axe. Like, I, I don't think he's going to hold any qualms. Or maybe Lagatha comes back and wants... <sighs> because her, her relationship's a little rocky right now. Like, she doesn't know it yet, but I have full... I mean, we'll get into her part, but... Right. I don't see Aslog making it to the end of the season. Yeah. I mean, do you think she's going to stick around? It's weird. I can't figure out how they're going to kill her, if they're going to kill her. Because they've shown Ragnar give her the smackdown a couple times. Yeah. Which was tough to watch, even though it's not a character I love. Um, I don't know. I just It's weird, because she's still the mother of his three or four other children. You know, So it, it can't just be so easy. That he would take her out. I mean, it could happen in another raid. You know, uh, Kalf could want to come down and try to take it, or the guy that's in Kalf's ear who still wanted to take down every Lothbrok. Yeah. And so I could easily see a raid coming and they capture her or just kill her in the midst of trying to raid the city before another major raid goes on. Yeah, see, I think if anything, that's how I figure it might go down. I figure another character might kidnap her or something mm-hmm. or kill her in thinking that would be a huge loss to Ragnar, but it wouldn't be. Yeah. Or my thing is, is another group kidnaps her and she works with them to bring Ragnar down, you know, some kind of way. Oh, so he ends up taking her down in one of her mutiny attempts. Right. Cause that's what I feel like she's going to do. Cause what? I think she feels like the room's closing in on her. I think if that's the case, now what character do you think will team up with her? Because I have one kind of in mind. Oh, man. Um, maybe Kalf's little buddy. Uh, what's his name? Um, Erlander. The ex-king Ulfir's son. I, I can't see him teaming up with him just because he she's now a Lothbrok and, she, and he wants to get rid of every one of them. But he mainly wants to get rid of the... Like Bjorn and Ragnar. True, but I mean, her children still bear his name True. and everything. True. I mean, I think if it's anybody, I think it's the Wandering God. You think uh, Harbart? Yeah. Okay. And I mean, and I feel, I mean, they definitely left it open for him to come back on the show. Oh, definitely. And he's a big enough actor that I'd love to see him come back. Mm-hmm. But him and what army almost, you know what I mean? He's got followers. I mean, Floki immediately jumped on him because he's one of the gods and everything or perceived gods in the Viking right. culture. He could and be so, just full of shit. 
by the way. Easily. You but, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he, he easily convinced Floki, and Floki never even met him. And right. so, there's, and like you said last week, there's people in the town that could kind of be swayed away from Ragnar. Agreed. And so, you know, he comes around, they rally behind Aslog and him, and all of a sudden we have that mutiny that could lead to her death. Right. Right. He has a dream sequence, but I'll, I'll break that down later. We're, we'll talk about that with Eckbert as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of, his other part has to do with Floki, obviously. So we could talk about that a little bit with the Floki. Yeah. So Floki is still chained up or tied up in the cave, still getting his water torture, but Helga is there holding a bowl over his head to give him some respite. Bless her heart. Oh, man. She looks rough off. She's not looking good. No, they Uh, both look like they're starving. They both look like they're cold. And if anybody's held or worked over your head for (laughs) a length of time, and all she's doing is holding a lightweight bowl, that wears you out. Yeah, I, I can't even hold my arms over my head for about two minutes. After that, I'm ready to tap it. Absolutely, absolutely. So... I, I love the way they played this. They both look so pathetic. Like, and, like, you even see her, like, whenever Ragnar came back in one of the times, like, she had to jump up and try to lift the bucket back over Floki's head. It was like, I, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, like, no comfortable position for her to stand. No. Um, she just kind of has to get, like, looks like on her tippy toes mm-hmm. a little bit. You know, so I was oh, like, man. Floki's up there, and he's already taller yeah. than her. Yeah. Um, just brutal. And then, like I said, Ragnar comes in, tells Helga she needs to tell Floki about the daughter. Mm-hmm. And Floki's just like, "What? What? Ha- what aren't you telling me?" Right. And then we get that little sinking feeling, like it, it's going to be now's the time. Yeah, and uh, and good on both these actors again. They just man, they nail this. Oh, the emotion in it. Once you once they tell Floki, and just that primal scream. Yeah, like, it's that emotion that I felt that I would have wanted to give in that situation. And he nailed it, and it, it went on. And they, I believe, they let it fade out a little bit into that. I think it did go into a commercial after that. But I'm surprised they didn't show a scene of Ragnar like coming out of the cave and hearing the scream. You know. I, if they wouldn't have used it on, like, we'll get into it, the Ragnar-Bjorn moment, then I think they would have done it again. But, I mean, they Good didn't call. want to go do the same thing twice. Yeah. Good call. Good call. Um, and then, of course, we're going to end the episode with it. Uh, Ragnar comes back and yeah. frees Floki. And But I was interested in how he freed him because he looked at Helga and says, you've suffered enough. Didn't even acknowledge Floki in the entire situation outside of the fact that he cut him down. Yeah. Yeah. And I like the way it was shot, kind of from low. All you see is his legs and the yeah. X. And you really know, you dark. see him leaving Katagat, mm-hmm. and he just grabs the X. He looks pissed. And they just, they mm-hmm. just filmed it really well. I really enjoyed it. I mean, they've done an amazing job with every episode, and this did not let us down. And right. then I just have two more small things on Floki. Was one, he apologized to Helga, which shocked me a little bit. I wasn't prepared for him to already be at that level. Yeah, I almost think he was apologizing because he thought he wasn't going to make it much longer. Oh, so you don't think he was necessarily sincere? He just No, kinda... I think it was very sincere. Um, I think he was just doing it before he didn't have a chance to do it. Okay. You, you know, know, didn't want that regret on his chest. Right, because, I mean, neither one of them are eating. 
No. The only water they're drinking is the water that's not beating them on their head. (laughs) Um, I mean, they're in rough rough shape. shape. So, I do think it was very sincere. And then, like I said, once again, well acted. Yeah. And then also, do you think Floki's going to come back for a little revenge? Or do you think he's going to be, you know, back to his builder, I trust Ragnar, or somewhere in between? Oh, man, that... I think they might be recluses for a little while. Yeah. You know, go back to their, you know, Riverside. Because they're definitely off away from the rest of the town. Right. And maybe just try to build their strength back up. Because, I mean, I don't care if they go and eat a huge (laughs) feast at this point. They're still going to be I mean, there's a lot of weight lost and just there's no energy. I mean, he's been held up. Like, he hasn't used his muscles or anything. Absolutely. He looks famished. You know, they look terrible. So it's gonna take them some time. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't just see, see a him ton in the of next them. two episodes. Yeah, if we just don't see him for a lot. Yeah. Like maybe him doing some recovering and eating and stuff like that. But maybe not huge stuff just yet. Okay. How long do you think that Floki was down there? I mean, it had to be at least a week, right? At least. I mean, judging by the weight loss, like you see, he looks mm-hmm. skinny. His bones are showing. And just how defeated he looks. And not to mention his beard. Do you notice he grew a beard? <laughs> it's looking good. So, I'd say minimum a week, possibly two weeks. Because that's yeah. a pretty long beard he was rocking. So, yeah. Pretty brutal. Alright, so, we can move to Rolo. Uh, we kind of start off with a ceremony they're doing. Yeah. Um, There's a was, big feast talking about the... Uh, Saint... Um, somebody eloise or something like that we'll roll with eloise eloise please uh comment and let us know if we are (laughs) completely wrong on this i mean honestly it wasn't something worth focusing on that much to me no i mean mean, the rollo scenes were the ones that i cared about the least they're using rollo i think right now a lot for comic relief he's kind of of a break from the super serious (laughs) because i mean look at what he's doing they're all in like a big story mode, and he's just chowing down on the yeah. chicken leg, you big, know, big old chicken leg, right? And then, you know, his wife is asking her father to tell the story of Saint Louis, mm-hmm. and this lady was put on, caught on fire, beheaded, all kinds of stuff, and she throws that in Rolo's face, saying, "That's probably what my savage husband wants to do to me," which is just completely unfair. You know, I don't really want to defend Rolo, but. The way that she's attacking him and just giving him zero credit when he's been nothing but kind to her, and she just keeps throwing fireball after fireball at yeah. him. Yeah, she is, and she has unbelievable resting bitch face. Oh, it's just it top notch. Crushing RBF. I mean, she's at least on the bronze bronze medal right now. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, she douses Rolo in the face with a uh, goblet of wine. Mm-hmm. Says she wants a divorce for her father to set it up. Make it happen. Yeah. And it's just like, no. It storms out. Frollo gives it a couple of minutes. You know, starts chowing down a little bit yeah. more. And then stomps over the table. Follows after. Screams at a couple people on the way out. And then Odo runs him down. Yeah. Kind of. Because Odo talks to the king. And the king's like, what do we do? If he, if he, he decides leaves, to we're leave. Done. Yeah. We're screwed. Because he knows what defense we're going to have set up. All that he, stuff. He's our new commander. Like, right. 
And he's probably, without doubt, the best commander they have in... I mean, it is France, so... Best commander in facing Vikings, for sure. You know... Yeah, fair point. Odo would probably be better against other more, you know, civilized armies. Eh. Just because that's what they face. Yeah. I mean, they've done a pretty good job of showing Odo with his one hand and his talent, you know, in leading men. And I mean, they held but... back the Viking raid. You know, without Rolo. They did, but I mean, that was... No, you're right. I mean, they definitely did. And they have a few things that the Vikings still haven't seen, I'm sure. They're still creating. Yeah, they probably have some more tricks up their sleeve. But anyway, Odo runs them down. Rolo's... Very primitively. Yeah, he's fuming. And this is kind of a cool scene of like sign language. Where yeah, he's like know, trying to communicate. Signs, books. It was very primal. You know, it was like going back to showing how much more sophisticated the French are versus the Vikings. You know, they were making the Vikings look like they were still cavemen with the way like he was grabbing book and just like pointing at it. Like he had yeah. pictures and stuff. Like, woo, 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 yeah. This is what <laughs> I like, want. You know, and he's, you know, he's dragging his finger across like mm-hmm. trying to say, I want to read. I want to be able to communicate and stuff like that. And, I mean, like we were saying before we even started was it's interesting that they made Rolo the one that we couldn't understand anymore, and now the French are speaking in English. And so it even goes further onto that, which yeah. I found different. It's different. It's kind of frustrating yeah. for me. I I wish I could still understand Rolo more often. Yeah, I mean, because it's Vikings, and, I mean, those are the people that I want to understand more. Right. I'd rather get just subtitles for the French speakers. Yes. I mean, it just makes sense to me. And. Right. And when he's speaking French or the French teacher is speaking French, we get subtitles. Yeah. So it's like, just let us understand what Rolo's saying. I mean, that's all I want. Yeah. So a small nitpick that I'd say we both probably have with it. Absolutely. Anyway, Odo agrees, promises yeah. to get him a teacher, and tells the king he's going to stay. Yeah. And so, it, the thing I found interesting was, you know, we've got him trying to learn French now, but why didn't we do this back when he still had the translator in episode one? Or, you know, where was all of this movement? Like, I mean, I feel like this is something that should have been done earlier, and we didn't necessarily even need the next scene of him talking with this pope or whoever they have translating for him. It looks like it's a priest yeah. um, that they brought in and... Wrong person, first off, yeah. to bring in and talk to Rolo, especially calling him a savage and degrading him yet again, you know, bring, just hammering that nail a little bit more. Yeah. And I just can't imagine someone, some old priest talking to this beast <laughs> this in front of him. Top notch warrior that we saw yeah. scale a rolling ball of spikes. He's just yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be good with you calling me a savage and say that I've reformed myself. Yeah, they know he fights like a bear, and <laughs> my little puny priestly self is going to talk down on you. B- biggest thing I took down was a goblet of wine a couple hours ago. Yeah, yeah. So Rolo gets pissed, gives him a throw into a bookshelf over a table, <laughs> and he appears to be paralyzed on the ground, unconscious. You know, fetal position, the best thing to do when you're going against a bear. Yeah, so we still leave Rolo basically in rage. Yeah. You know, he doesn't... He's got terrible hair. He doesn't understand what anyone's doing. The worst <laughs> clothes. The worst hair. <laughs> Just everything. Like, the worst communication skills. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like you said, he, he's been just downgraded to comedic relief. In yeah. In a show that doesn't necessarily understand comedy. 
Yeah, it just, man, it really upsets me because he is, he is, when he's in full Viking, he's, he's the my best favorite. One. Yeah. Yeah. And to see him like this is just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough it's to the, watch. Yeah. I mean, it's it, tough to watch. And it's interesting that they made the best warrior just this sat ball. But he probably has more power than any of the other Vikings, even more than Ragnar himself with his position in France. Or I guess just Paris. But I mean, right now he can command the armies. I mean, there you see how people are speaking to him. Yeah. My lord and stuff like that now. Even Odo you know, said it says my lord. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's obviously powerful. And they said it's the highest rank the king could give him was Duke. Yeah. So I guess that's just the step down from the king. So, I mean, he's very yeah. powerful. I mean, they raised him high enough to marry a princess, so. Absolutely. And you can't just, you know, go after their family because that would be hurting her in the yeah. same. Even though she obviously wants that to be over. And then, so, I mean, I guess kind of before you leave that, what, what's your feelings on Count Odo? Do you think anything's going on with him or he's just kind of getting a little bit more screen time? No, I think Odo is very ambitious. Yeah. Um, I think he knows the king's a weakling. Mm-hmm. Um, He's obviously still interested in the princess, but I think he's more or less interested in her for the movement of power. Yeah, for the power that she could give him. Exactly. You know, it's surprising to see him help Rolo in any form or fashion because I think he wants to be where Rolo is. I mean, I could see that, but I mean, I can kind of see him helping Rolo right now just because it keeps him in the king's favor. Because I'm right there with you. I think Odo's trying to make some moves. Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean... We got his girlfriend, the whipping slave uh, in the basement. His banging around with the other kind of left-hand man of the king. Yeah. The bearded guy. That's over, I guess, a group of the soldiers or something. The small bearded guy. We'll we'll learn his name when time comes. Yeah. If it does. Well-cropped beard. (laughs) Um, So, I do. I think you're right. I think Odo's making moves. I think I see Odo as the kind of guy that if he was able to get into Rolo's position, he would take it in a heartbeat. That he would maybe start slowly poisoning the king. Oh, in in the idea that he would be the one that would be yeah elevated to his position after the king dies, because really that's where Rolo is now. Yeah, if the king he only has a daughter, no sons. Which now puts Rolo in line for the crown. Yeah, because it's going to go to the patriarch and wow. So, and maybe even Rolo isn't aware of the position he holds right now. There's no way he does because it couldn't have been explained to him. Right, because he doesn't understand, you know, lineage and how, you know, crown is passed down through sons and things of that nature. Yeah. I mean, if he were to find that out, Maybe when they start teaching him how to read and stuff like that and learning things, that'd be a cool way to see Rolo starting to figure out how powerful he could become. It's just how educated he becomes. Right. Okay. So, as much as I'm not super interested in seeing Rolo with cute hair and fancy clothes, (laughs) I like the idea that it's a possibility he could become king. Uh, I do like that. I mean, I don't know if I like that as a character just because he's become so unredeemable. Yeah, but just seeing him go on this different path is interesting, to say the least. Yeah, agreed. So we go all the other way across the pond to Wessex. 
Okay, I, I had one kind of major problem with just the entire Wessex timeline was because a, you know, I brought it up last week was how far away is Mercer? And yeah, I know what you're saying. Like Mercia, what's the distance between Wessex and, and Mercia? And Mercia, because we do get a blizzard and nothing over in Wessex. And, and you know, it was bright sun and shiny, like it was California. Yeah, so. I mean, like you said, look at the beard growth, and you know that's going to give us a little bit of the timing that we have to figure out the timelines. Right, because Aethelwolf definitely has some pretty decent beard growth. Beard growth, and he's looking a little shaggy. You know, he's looking yeah. a lot better than when we first met him. He just looks more manly. <laughs> it's like a reverse of Rolo. Yes, you know they've taken away the manliness from Rolo, given him horrific clothes and hair, Ugh. and now Aethelwolf, who was really close cropped and kind of proper. Very uh, now they've turned him into more savage man, more savage, and I feel like he's starting to become his own man, and he's going to start breaking a few more rules and test the limits of his power. True, true. And what do you, what do you think about the fact that they don't? Eckbert clearly stated to Wolf, Magnus has to live. Yes, in the last episode, but in the blizzard. He tells Quintrif she, she has, has to be to the live. one to live, that, I not found Magnus. That, I found that interesting. And so do you feel like that's where the feelings started right then? No, I think they go back to even last season when Egbert sent Aethelwolf over to Quintrif to collect the taxes and stuff, or maybe that was the beginning of this season. But I think it, may, it might have been. And she tried to sleep with him, and he tore down all those advances. But you could see that he wanted to make a move on her. Right, like his defenses were yeah. crumbling. <laughs> Understandably, since he wasn't getting any from good old Judith. But, well, and uh, the fact that Judith's a adultering skag. Hey, hey, she, she was with our boy. Look what she's doing now in Wessex. Fair point. It's in the name of Athelstan, though. <laughs> that, that's what yeah, matters. Yeah, well. No, but I mean, I definitely think that some feelings started back then. And everything has kind of evolved since that situation. I understand that. I'll give you that. But like we said, these timelines kind of intertwine each other. Mm -hmm. We got Eckbert and Judith, and oh. then we got Aethelwolf and Quintrith. But then we also have Judith and Athelstan. Athelstan with the creepy crush that Eckbert has on him. And then we have Ragnar and Quintrith. And now we have the two sons of Alfred and Magnus. So yeah, I mean, th I, this is a lover's the, quarrel. The family tree has gotten bananas uh, <laughs> in Wessex for sure. Very Arkansas-ish maybe? Yeah, maybe, maybe. I hate to take the yeah. South down a notch, but there's some yeah. Chris and Crossing going there, there's on There's some now. things going on. Right. So we got Judith coming to Eckbert's bed in the... Freely. You know, in quotation marks, freely coming to his bed. She must be a free woman, and she must be his equal. Yeah. And he has to swear. And then, But he also says, I'll swear it, and you don't have to come to my bed. Come yeah. or go. Whatever you want to do. Yet again, showing how far ahead he is of everybody else. He's absolutely the master manipulator in the group. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she does. She ends up coming to bed with him. And then we also get... Aethel Wolf and Quintiff arriving back in Wessex. Nah, most people seem happy to see them, but in a way, I feel like Eckbert seemed kind of 
disappointed to see Quintworth was alive. Yeah, I don't think he wanted anything to do with Quintworth. Right, because I think she's more of a speed bump for him. And Aethelwolf, I mean, they barely even had much of a communication when he walked up. Yeah. But Judith ran and gave quite an emotional act job. Yeah, I mean, it looked like she was actually happy to see him. And maybe it's just because she's feeling that she is more free. And that she has a little bit of power away from Aetherwolf if anything does happen to him. And she's like, okay, you know, I can see myself being with you now knowing that I'm my own person. A.K.A. the king's henchwoman. Yeah. I mean, that's all that she's been relegated down to. She's spying for him now. You know, with when the other monk was telling her stories, she immediately ran over and told it back to King Egbert. And she's sleeping with him freely. And yeah. there's, there's just not much going on with her that's making her an intriguing character. Like, I think they think they're making her. Yeah, I think, I like to think maybe she's another character that's trying to make moves in the background. I like to think that, but I just do not understand any of the moves that she's making. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And then we get a quick shot of Quintiff laying in bed and Aethelwolf coming in. And he almost looks like he's... A bit nervous about doing this. Maybe almost regretful. Hesitate. You know, maybe it was hypocritical was the way I should think of it. Because Judith did make a a display of affection mm-hmm. that she was happy to see him. You know, it seemed Tears very real, right? So I could see him hesitating, feeling guilty, like you say. But Quintus charm, yes. You know, you can she's only the real deal. You can only resist those feminine wiles for so long. And she's got some hella wild. She jumps on everybody. <laughs> yes, she does. Um, the Her. power <laughs> that she it, slings around. Um, okay, I was I was going to save this. Like I said, the dream sequence. We okay, get you want to jump into that one? Yeah, because we've gotten most of Eckbert and we've gotten most of Ragnar. Okay, so we get kind of a dual thing. Eckbert wakes up next to Judith. Yeah. In a kind of, a, it looks like it's actually he wakes up. I mean, it looks legitimate, and he finds himself wandering to um, where the books are and stuff yeah. that Ethelstan used to work on. And Ragnar wanders to his throne, and they they both look very similar, both very dark, like candle lit. Their walks, like even down hallways, were right. very similar. They kept it where I was a little confused. I was like, are they walking towards the same room? Well. I gotta be honest. I don't. I'm not, I don't think this was a dream sequence at this point. Now, no, because both of them end up in that position, and then Athelstan is gone, mm-hmm. but they're still there. So maybe it wasn't a dream. It was like a hallucination of some kind. Okay. Or this could be some of the magicy stuff that we see in this show every once in a while. But either way, Eckbert's in the book room, scroll room, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. Athelstan comes to him and gives him. The cross. Yeah. He was very silent with him and was gave him physical language that he could understand. Right. Well, he just gave him the Father and Son, Son and the, the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. He gave him the cross, vanishes. Okay. Ragnar, Athelstan comes to him, washes well, his feet. As Ragnar's on his throne. Right. And then says, mercy. A few Vanishes. Times. Now, do you think that there was any symbolism in him washing Ragnar's feet? Oh, or? absolutely. It was a Jesus Christ yeah. you know, symbolism, washing the feet and stuff like that. Um, and not to mention, they have grown Athelstan's hair out and his beard. And making him almost look 
Jesus. Yeah, he's a Jesus figure. And also, uh, Judith was painting the picture of Jesus in the uh, that that was the first thing that she was painting was the very famous of him hanging and everything. Um, First off, great to see Athelstan again. Yep. I'm glad. Anytime we can give him some work, I'm all for it. I'm glad that he's still a part of the show. Like, even if it's just a simple stuff, I like he's not forgotten. Yes. And matter of fact, he's hugely unforgotten in Ragnar and Eckbert's mind and Judith's mind. Yeah. I mean, he's still a very big main character and his, I feel like his child's going to become a main character. I agree. He, it's weird how much effect he has had on all the characters of the show. He's by accident. Floki crazy, drove Rolo crazy. Ragnar crazy, Eckbert crazy, Judith crazy, Aethelwulf crazy. I mean, everybody... Changed Ragnar's religion. Changed his whole life's perspective. He helped them invade Paris. He gave them that notion. And so, like, he's the reason all of these moves have been made. But it's also... He has... He's also the reason that there is enmity and discourse in both areas. Yeah, all three, really. He's the pro- he is the problem, you know, that caused the schisms and stuff between families and friends mm-hmm. in both or all three areas in this place. I mean, it's crazy the effect he's had. And you could almost say he was the most important character of the show. Right. He's the the tipping point, you know. Everybody's lives have like circulated his you know, entrance into their His their path world of destruction. Yeah, so uh, it's really neat to see, though. I, I really miss him. I, I do as well, and I thought that that scene was perfectly done, and it came in in the right episode. I know we're still early in the season, but it it's showing us a lot and where each character is going. And I think that this is a scene that we're going to come back to in a few episodes. Yeah, and we do get a small scene of Eckbert coming to Judith in the scroll room mm-hmm. and telling her, you know, Athelstan came to me, but I, I believe he's dead. I believe he's dead. I feel that he's dead. And she was at looking for any kind of hope. And he was just like, he came to me, he gave me the cross and I just, yeah. And I, I think maybe Ragnar feels the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was interesting. Ragnar didn't have anyone to tell. And like, it's Who just something... can he tell? Who wants to hear about Athelstan in the Viking camps? No one. Nobody. No one understands that relationship between the two. So it just, I mean, it, it would be in poor judgment for him to even mention him. I mean, I think the only person he could tell would be maybe Bjorn. But even Bjorn feels resentment towards Athelstan because Absolutely. he replaced him. Yeah. And they used, man, they used to love each other mm-hmm. back in the day. And then... Bjorn got a little sketchy when the religious stuff started getting shaky with Ragnar. Yeah. And then so, when he came back and everything. Yeah. And so, I mean, Athelstan really jumped a lot of the people. He, he's Rollo in Paris. You know, he jumped to power without even asking for it. Yeah. I don't know. I think uh, I think they've done a really good job of making Athelstan just a massive character. Yes. And a lingering one that's going to stay around for a while. All right. So we'll get to Kalf and Erlander. Okay. All right. Now, they actually opened the show with Kalf and Lagertha rolling around in bed together. Kalf drops a bomb that he loves Lagertha. And saying he has always loved her and would even, without even having the power, he would still love her. 
Exactly. Now, this leads to him taking a piss outside the tent and Erlander walking up to him and saying, what the hell is going on? I thought we were going to kill all the Lothbrook family. You know, that, that's how you got power. And I was like, great, this is the whole segment again. Right. And in a way, you thought Calf might rebuff him and be like, rebuff no, him a little bit. Like, after we're, what we're done said. with this. Like, did you not see what I did to your father and all those people? Like, Right. But instead, he just like changes face, puts on serious face, and is like, mm-hmm. I agree with you. As a matter yeah. of fact, I know someone, a berserker. And like, my main one problem I had with it was who who is feeding this information? Like who who sent this little raven over to that camp and was like, "Hey, Boron's kind of on his own. The, the guy's in a cabin all by himself." Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they know. I can see how they know that Bjorn had left. It only takes one person saying. Yeah, but I mean, it's not like these camps are necessarily. But how do they know where Bjorn is? Yeah. I have no idea. Um, that's a little... A little sketchy. Made for TV, you know, information, fantastical stuff. Now, do you think that there's a reason why Kalf uh, is willing to try to assassinate Bjorn? <sighs> Man, I don't... I think, I think it wouldn't be a terrible thing if Lagatha was alone and yeah. had no more Lothbrook you know, around her. Because that's kind of her safety net. So, I think if Kalf would think that if he got rid of all of them, then he could have her to himself. And she would kind of have to submit to him. I mean, I'm thinking kind of similar to those lines, but mine is, I think he wants to kill Bjorn because he wants children. And he thinks that's a way to convince her to have children is that she has no more kids. Because her daughter's already dead. And Bjorn's her last child. But haven't we already seen, though, that she can't have kids anymore, right? Yeah, she can't, but I don't know if Kalf knows that. Well, she definitely didn't tell him. No. Um, didn't break that news to him, at least. Uh, yeah, you know, it could be a mix of several mm-hmm. key things. But I could easily see it coming down to, you know, even if all the other Lothbrooks got killed, yeah. Erlander's still going to want Lagatha dead. Absolutely. And that's going to be a sticking point. And I I ultimately don't think this is going to matter. I think Lagatha is going to find out that he Calf sent a berserker after Bjorn, after Bjorn murders the guy in a roughly fair fight. And she's <laughs> going to, you know, pull the, the old knife out, the old castrating knife, and yeah, uh, yeah. have a little talk with Calf. Well, she's already promised him from the beginning. Mm-hmm. She's like, I'll be with you, but one day I will kill you. And I think that day is Rapidly coming. approaches. Yes. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Um, so we get a small meeting between Kalf and Erlander with mm-hmm. the Berserker. Now, obviously, he says nothing but grunts and screams. Thought that was a beautiful decision on their part. Yeah, this dude looks badass. Good looks job good on the costumes and the makeup department. And the beard. Yeah, this guy is legit. This is what a Viking looks like. So I am thrilled to see the showdown between him and Bjorn. It's going to be a bloody massacre, and I can't wait. Yeah, this should be pretty violent. I could see them saving a good chunk of an episode just for that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a seven-minute just brawl. If they what, what they were capable of doing with Aethelwulf and Quinthrif in the Battle at the Tower. Yeah. 
just I, as a, I salivate to see what they could do <laughs> with the Berserker and Bjorn. And just a one-on-one in the snow battle. Absolutely. And like uh, you felt the Berserker's presence, presence any time that Bjorn was on screen. Like we were waiting. It was like, is that the Berserker? Has they were he teasing. They were teasing it with you. So let's well, we'll move to Bjorn. We got Bjorn going and looking at his traps. Mm-hmm. And every one of them he comes across is the animals removed. Yeah, just bloody mess. Right. And I was surprised he came to bear immediately. But even though I thought he said bear, I thought it still might be the berserker. Yeah. Who was dragging the stuff off the traps. Because, I mean, he didn't know that, he doesn't know the berserkers out there or anything. And so right. it, to us, it made more sense than a bear in the wild. And they kept showing those vantage points of what looked like eyes mm-hmm. looking around trees looking at Bjorn. Yeah, I mean they like you said, they did a great job of teasing it throughout the entire episode with him. Right. So ends up Bjorn sees the bear. Yeah. Sees it a couple times. Um doesn't yeah. attack it. It the bear doesn't attack him. Uh the so bear was, even kind of st- stared him down and then walked away and was like, right. Okay, I'm not I'm not feeling this live prey right now. Right. And then we skip to Bjorn finding a, what do you think, a, a bottle of, not a bottle, but a a barrel of mead or yeah. something. And he proceeds to get blasted drunk oh. in the middle of an ice lake. Going uh, crazy. And I mean, if I'm in the middle of nowhere, the last thing I'm wanting to do is have a roaring fire as I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. Not to mention having a roaring fire on a frozen lake. Fair point, you know. I mean, and pass out next to it to where it melts a hole and you fall in and die. Well, I mean, as we find later in the episode, he's not scared of the water. No, he's completely fine with buck yeah. naked <laughs> diving in. Uh, For no is, reason. Like, well, I don't know how that makes you tough as hell, but tough well, as hell. In Russia. That, yeah. it, well, I've that, also that's seen a whole thing. grandmothers and grandfathers <laughs> do the polar bear dives and stuff, but this dude went swimming yeah. under a sheet of ice. And so he he does all that and somehow finds his way back up out of the ice. I know we're kind of skipping ahead there. But he starts sharpening his weapons and everything, get ready. I still don't think he's trying to fight this bear. Now, I think at this point, I think he was preparing himself for a bear fight. I don't know how you prepare yourself for a bear fight, but props to him. Uh, it's got to be more just adrenaline than anything. You know, I'm going to uh, need a little bit more of what's left in that barrel. I, I can oh tell you that God. much. You'll want your wits about you, but I'm going to need to be a little toasted before I go into this battle. A lot of liquid courage. Yeah, absolutely. its way in. Absolutely. Um, so we have it. We get a bear fight. Mm-hmm. Well done. It was well done for television. Yeah, I didn't find it that believable, but I enjoyed every bit of it. It's tough. and Maybe it was just bad timing. But if anybody has seen The Revenant, yeah. <laughs> they have seen what a bear, bear fight looks like. And it's not much of a fight. It is first off, the Revenant bear fight was unbelievable. I mean it was so well done. It is the camera shakes that went with it, the viciousness of the bear, how it, big the paw was compared to a human. It's crazy. Being. It's absolutely stunning how well they did this shot. Bjorn's bear fight, the grizzly looks great. Yeah. He's a big fat just fluffy looking thing um, with a big stance. It looks like, I guess it'd be a trained bear because it looks mm-hmm. like it's right there. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the bear was on the actual set. Right. The only time I think they, you know, 
made a fake part was when the axe buries into the yeah the bear's head. So we get Bjorn basically doing like a bullfighter move, which I thought was a good way of approaching it. I don't think a bear would attack like that or anything, but I'm no bear professional. <laughs> you know, I don't know all the ins and outs of bear attacks and maulings, but yeah, maybe we can call Will Ferrell, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was okay. You know, really cool what they did. Yeah. Having him kill a bear and stuff like that. I just feel, I wish Bjorn would have got torn up a little bit more. Just been a little more. I can see that, but I, I think part of the reason why he didn't was because it goes back to how Ragnar won Lagatha which was he killed a bear for her. And so they were trying to show that sentiment of Bjorn proving to his dad that he's worth it by killing this bear and getting as unscathed as humanly possible, like Ragnar did. Yeah. And so I feel like that's why it was kind of a one-man show in the fight. I guess I lean a little bit towards the when the bear knocks Bjorn down and then doesn't finish Bjorn or yeah. even continue attacking well, he kind of backs off it, it kind of looked like Bjorn wanted to be on his back with how quickly he moved to a little, little shank this isn't jujitsu <laughs> like you know taking guard or whatever yeah. you know I just uh that's sketchy yeah you know? I mean it, um, I'm not wanting to be on my back against the Baron but I mean I still I enjoyed it and everything like you said it was probably just a poor decision to do it right after Revenant but yeah I mean I'm assuming they didn't know no you know, because they're probably filming around the same time, and just wouldn't be aware that something that amazing was going to come down the pipe yeah. the same time y'all were doing a bear fight. Just a, you know, bearware next time. Yeah, shitty luck. Uh, but then, so we get him. He buries the axe in the bear's yeah. head. He gets a good primal scream in, um, which Ragnar hears. Well done. The raven flies by, so Ragnar thinks Bjorn's dead. Or that's how I read into it. And then we got like the little vision of like season one Bjorn running up to him, having those little flashback visions of them sitting by the fire. So okay. I'm convinced that he thinks Bjorn's dead. All right, see, I thought the other way. Oh. I thought this was a, a cry of proud moment, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, so well done yeah. by the writers and the directors of making this such a powerful moment. That it could go either way, because it was very well done. Yeah. It was really cool to see season one, Baby Bjorn, running up the, the street. Same yeah. time he ran away from his mother, you remember? Yep. Um, so that was really neat. They did a really good job on with, that. With both the times they did it, it was with that vision, and then like we were talking about the dreamscape. Right. So, And once again, Ragnar pulling off the tears, the facial expressions again. Yeah. Just Man, he just... You feel like you're harping on it, but he just nails the facial expressions. I mean, the he, emotional stuff. He, he's killing it. Yeah, and so we get Bjorn. You, you see him by the cabin. He's already got the skin up. And he's yeah. tanning it. He's got like. Uh, like. Do you think he took any of the bear meat with him? Because that that looked like a bit of a hike. No, like, I imagine he did. Yeah, you know um, how you carry because he's eating. Bear. Yeah, he was eating well. Uh, and it had like some grizzly paw gloves mm-hmm. it looked like he had made. And he's obviously heating up a knife and he cauterizes his, his scratch or his, you know, his deep yeah. gash on his shoulder, which is pretty well, you know, 
played territory on a yeah. lot of shows, a lot of movies and stuff. This I mean, is, you got to do it, but I mean, that, that thing was white hot. It, it was glowing, and I, I cringed a little seeing that thing touch the skin and sizzle. I would have primal screamed after that instead of killing the bear, probably. Yeah. That would have been horrific pain. You know, I would have been like old Athelstan, giving the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit a little <laughs> yeah. love after I killed the... That would have needed to drop me in the ice to wake me up after <laughs> I passed out from pure pain. Shock. Yeah. Um, but that's it, man. I mean, that's basically what yeah, we I mean, got that, this that was episode. the rundown. And I think they wanted the bear fight to be the big major climax and stuff. Like I said, if you haven't seen Revenant, that was probably pretty badass television. Yeah. Um, if you have seen Revenant... Then that was really good television. <laughs> uh, like a, another good episode. Yeah, I mean, know. no, I mean they hit it out of the park. I love the storytelling. I still feel like we're advancing. I'm not sure where we're going yet, and I wasn't able to see the uh, previews for next week, so I definitely have no clue of where we're going. I actually missed the previews too. I'm assuming we're gonna get a Bjorn Berserker fight yes. pretty soon. Um, we gotta work our way into raid season at some point because we've gotta have a Rolo Ragnar showdown. I mean, I, I think we're. I think that's gonna be like a climax thing. Like, I think that it, Aslog heavy is gonna be coming. That could be too. That could be too. Because, like you um, said, we, we've got to deal with her one way or another. Yeah, because the little like sniping they're doing with each other right now is getting uh, played. Old. Yeah, I mean, it's old. It, it's leading to some bad scenes not necessarily poorly done but just morally confusing scenes for me watching and so that that whole thing's got to be dealed with in some shape way or form absolutely but look if anybody else has got any more comments or you know emails they want to send us about their thoughts on the show please do hit us up on twitter at bleed tv podcast email us at bleed tv podcast at gmail.com and then absolutely hit our Facebook page. You know, let us know if you like this format better than what we were doing beforehand. And uh, give us some of your views, you know. Do you think, how do you think they're going to deal with Aslog? Absolutely. And I've been live tweeting the show every Thursday night. So if y'all want to get in there with me and just cut some jokes and have a little you know, have a little fun yeah, at the show's a, expense. Bear down a little bit. Absolutely. And uh, But until then, man, we'll see y'all next week. And I'm Jake. And I'm Cash. Later.